Pablo, Kristen, and Dave. Yay! Hi, talking about iPhones. March, April, is it April? April 10th, I don't 2020. Know. I don't care anymore. I, we've My been sister's birthday about- today, actually. Who's? What? My sister's birthday. Oh, oh happy, happy birthday, birthday. Pablo's yes. sister. Yeah. yeah. And happy birthday, Rhoda. Yoga? She's the old. Yoga, yeah. Yeah, Yoda. <laughs> 10,000 years. Is Yoda. Happy birthday, everybody look- whose birthday it is. Yeah, you guys are looking uh, beautiful. Dave, how are you feeling? Zoom. Are you, uh, yeah, we're on Zoom. Are you feeling ripe and ready, Davo? Yeah, I'm feeling good for the at the moment, yeah. I, Were uh, you not feeling good yesterday? What, give us a uh, date. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, um, the uh, I, I had a little depression yesterday. Mm. Uh, but it was sort of a crash after, um, uh, a house cleaning jag. I felt like I was on crack for like two days of, uh, spring cleaning. I don't know if you guys have gone through that yet as one of the phases of, uh, of what do you call it? Uh, self or, uh, uh, home sheltering. What do you you call it? Sheltering in place. I was going to call it self-flagellation, but. (laughs) Yeah, I, I want your bunker background back, actually. Oh, you want my bunker back? Yeah. You don't like the dinosaur? Okay. Yeah, no, Pablo's got a green screen behind him, and he's got a... Um, yeah, we're, a, we're doing Zoom for the first time. Yeah, we're on Zoom, so he's got a photo of an underneath of a bridge, and it, it's... What about up. this? No, dude, the bunker, because it's like it's grounding, it's real, because we're all in our <laughs> respective bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> you're. I'd like to point out, Frable, you're up against the wall. This is true, and you're not kidding. I had a piano parent talk to me today after I gave a lesson to her two um, fabulous children, and she said, "Kristen, how are you? How are you doing? You know, we think of you as so even and optimistic and measured emotionally, and it looks like you lost your shit on Facebook this week." <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, they said I, that? Yeah, she said she said she was laughing, but she said, I was kind of worried about you because you really lost it. <laughs> Does she really think that? Well, you know, I think I have a professional relationship with my families where I don't really disclose how full of rage I am most of the time. Yeah, I didn't notice anything untoward or Yeah, because you know me. <laughs> I see. You know that, well, it was the Wisconsin that put me over the edge. Of oh, oh, oh. Yeah. But how are you, Dave? Did you get out to Stillwater? Yes, I did. Um, and my dad is actually doing really well. He, uh, he came oh, home from good. the, yeah, he came home from the hospital. We thought he was on his last legs. Nope. He's going strong. And in fact, I went out the, I've been out there a couple of times and, uh, uh, went out the other day. It was a beautiful day. And as I drove up, I thought I, I felt more and more uncomfortable with actually going inside the house because he's got caregivers coming and going and the step siblings are coming and going. And it just seems like the perfect situation for catching the coronavirus. Um, yeah. So as I drove up, I said, hey, would you guys be okay if I just sat out on the porch and talked to you guys through the screen? And, uh, 
and Leslie, his his wife, said, "Well, he can go outside. Why don't I'll just bring him outside?" So, um, she put him in a big coat and brought him out, and uh, uh, he sat there in one of the wicker chairs, and I uh, and it was just the two of us sitting out in the porch for a couple of hours, and everybody else was skittering around inside and being busy while dad and I just sat there and talked and he was more lucid than I've heard him in maybe a year. I mean, he was, so there, there was something about being outside and hear, hearing the bird calls and, and, uh, we just sat there for a while identifying bird calls. Um, That's and awesome. it, yeah. And his hearing is amazing. He was like, Oh, there's a blue Jay. There's a Cardinal. There's a, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, so it, it was It was nice. It was very nice. That's so great. I thought, you know, you posted a picture of your dad on the porch, and I thought, goodness, he looks great. Maybe this is an old picture, but that was actually the day. Yeah, that oh, yeah. Was. Yep, that was it. <gasps> That's fantastic. Yeah, he looks, he looks good. His color is good. He's, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think he's doing well. That's what awesome. Am I, what am I looking at? I keep on. Are you? Is somebody scrolling through a bunch of pictures here on Zoom? You know what? That happened, and and it for, it resolved for me. But I thought it was. I was uh, trying to share a screen with you guys, just because I like dicking around and. Go uh, <laughs> do that. It, it didn't seem to work on my end, so. This I is kind of exciting. Phone. This whole this Zoom thing. I've uh, you know <laughs> this is all all we ever hear about. Yeah, nowadays is Zoom meetings. Whoa. Yeah, this is my. Are I, you teaching on Zoom, Frames? I am. I am teaching on Zoom, and it is interesting. What are you These using for a mic? Good. Yeah, that is one of the deep challenges. I'm. I've got my little. Where are they? My little. You know. Headphones. Head, headphones. But um, they've started sparking. So it's weird. It's like. I'm That's not a good sign. <laughs> it's not good. No, it's not a good sign. So I was teaching the other day and all of a sudden my ears, you know, I'm getting like these little electric bolts into my ears. And the six-year-old is looking at me going, Arr! you know, um, no, for the most part, it's working. Well, so and, what do you got? What are you using for Mike right now? Because you sound okay. You sound pretty good. Yeah, it's just the computer. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that. Far out. Yeah, well, that sounds so sweet, Davey. I mean, to sit on the porch with your pops and. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite nice. Is he in hospice now? Uh, he well, he's got a, a caregiver that comes by. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure about whether it's called hospice or not. But because I've heard from. A, friends who work in the you know caregiving elder world pablo's making faces <laughs> um that uh um once someone gets on hospice they can have a huge rebound and feel better than they've felt in a long time yeah i've heard of people getting kicked out of hospice <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um he yeah he does not seem like he's at that stage right now. I don't think that he's oh, that's good. going anytime soon. So, that's 
Yeah, yeah, it's so good. So what happened yesterday, Dave? Oh, well, you know, as I say, I kind of went on this cleaning jag, which um, usually... That's I, never I, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. It started with uh, with one little project. I thought, I'm going to get my tub clean. And I haven't oh. scrubbed my tub for a long time. And Dude, Can I interrupt and give you a hack? Yeah, yeah. Use oven cleaner. You never have to scrub your tub again. Oven cleaner. Oh. Oven cleaner. Leave it on there for half a day. Open the window because it's totally noxious. But that will clean your tub like nothing has. Okay. I, I was wondering. Yeah. I have a hack. Ignore the problem and <laughs> learn to live with your disappointment. And just shower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So it, I don't. It, so I don't know if the if it's just my body that produces this, but the um, um, I only shower in that in that tub, and uh, it's, there's well, without getting too graphic about it, there's uh, the, uh, kind of a the a, it's almost like a gummy substance, you know, trying to scrub yes, that a- stuff. Is it a green oily film with uh, <laughs> random scales deposited in it? Uh, something like that, yeah. Um, no, it's it's more just like gum, like a thin layer of gum on there. So well, it kind of smears like oil as you mixed with something. Yeah, yeah, it's like oil and skin and uh, yeah, who knows what else. But uh, well, it could be the products you're using too. Yeah, the products. Um, so yeah, it's definitely soap and. That stuff just does not scrub off with like a scrubbing pad, with like a scotch bar pad, or it just kind of smears. And Hang on a sec. I got a second suggestion for you. Get a dog, and then <laughs> you won't be able to tell what byproduct of the bathing process is you or the dog, and you can feel a little better about yourself. Get a dog. Isn't that a children's story? Get a cow. Get a crow. <laughs> Do you yes. you remember yeah. that story? I don't, that but I'm just story? saying you can pass a lot off on the dog. Yeah, you can fart Stains, too. detritus. <laughs> well, oh. speaking of that, it doesn't it seem like it, it, when you go outside or look outside that suddenly everybody has a dog? Good yeah, God, fact, I have never seen a, so many dogs. There was a report recently that um, dog bites are up by a great percentage um because people i think are getting their dogs out and letting them go unattended um and because probably more people are out so yeah dog bites are up uh quite a bit and that's uh it's a huge bummer oh man dog bites and traffic fatalities yeah that's the other one yeah right right i read that yesterday double it's double what they what it was last year Really? I, I believe it as a pedestrian because um, people are crazy right now. Yeah, yeah. And people just driving on the freeway, people are, are going past 90 miles an hour. You know, I'm like, what the? Who's yeah. in a hurry nowadays to yeah. get anywhere? Yeah. Well, yesterday I went out and got my first curbside delivery of groceries. Where'd you go? Kowalski's. Nice. My second delivery is on or pickup rather is on monday kowalski's yeah yeah 
You know, we're doing a little bit of a Kowalski shout out because that's where I got my groceries delivered from two gentlemen. You had them delivered? Yeah, nice. Yeah, we've been having them delivered for the last month. Hmm. Yeah, it's not that much more. It's uh, it's like seven bucks versus five bucks. You know, yeah, five bucks to pick up. Therapy, my therapy bill is so high. The peace of mind it brings me to have <laughs> my groceries delivered. It's I think I'm making money, honestly. <laughs> Are you still doing ther- therapy? Are you doing online therapy? Oh yeah. You haven't uh, finished that up yet. You haven't won so, like some of us. You. You won therapy. I'm not playing to win. I'm playing to stay in the game. That seems uh, antithetical to the whole purpose of therapy. It's a but it's a win lose game. A, you might have a misunderstanding about what therapy is. Hence your delusion that you've won it. I mean, given my track record of general understandings, I think that's highly unlikely. <laughs> well, and, and I thought you were opening up your own therapeutic practice. Well, I mean, you know, no. No. Can't you get that shit on YouTube? Oh, yeah, you can get everything on YouTube. Now I'm taking master classes. Do you guys know that? That whole song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So great. I joined. I'm accessing all the people. So when I, you know, when I devolve through the day, because I don't know about you guys. Good thing we're doing this in the morning because I start strong. And then I finish strong, but in the middle, man, oof, that Oreo cookie has a messy middle. Um, so I've just decided I will just, um, you know, I will just leave the day and go take a master class. What class are you taking? Huh. Uh, I'm doing two right now. I'm doing Billy Collins and... Poetry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched that one. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's so relaxing. So relaxing. The other thing I'm doing that's really relaxing is um, Butterfly Kitchen is a Nigerian cooking show on Instagram. That woman's voice, oh my God. Butterfly Kitchen. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Oh, it's so good. I learned about Nigerian cooking. Who knew I needed dry crawfish, but now that's going to become a kitchen staple. And um, yeah, she says, hi, you guys. Today we're going to be cooking plantain. You know, there's something just so soothing. Hmm. Nice. You ever watch that video of the the woman who uh, teaches you how to fold a fitted sheet? Um. Honestly, I've, I've tried that several times. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but that video, the, there's a woman. She's a she's sort of this regal black woman who is has got such a gentle voice, and she says. Mm-hmm. Hi, y'all. I just, uh, some friends wanted me to sh- show how you fold a fitted sheet. So you take it like this, and you get your fingers inside the corners like like this. And it, it's just so relaxing. I've watched it like 20 times in a row just to watch. And, and, she, and it fits, and it, it, she finishes just perfect. I mean, the thing is just such a beautiful little square when she's done. And Here's the, way, the thing about that. Dave, I'm walking a fine line between wondering what I should put effort in to try and improve before I die versus what I should just let go and accept. And uh, I think everything is in the second category. (laughs) And uh, in the first is a vastly dwindling number of things. 
I'm with you. I mean, if it if you have to flip a coin and do self-acceptance or self-improvement, I'm definitely on the self-acceptance side. I just don't think I have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because you won therapy. Well, that that too, obviously, yeah. You know, um So Go ahead. Sorry, go on, Dave. No, 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 you, no, go. no. you go. You go, you go, you go. I was just going to say, uh, one of the things I've been doing, I've actually had a, a fair amount of work that I've been doing because uh, there's a lot of editing stuff that's been in the pipeline that I'm working on and then a couple long conversations with clients. So I'm back to, you know, sort of working for the for the short term anyway. But, uh, and then hanging with Oliver and, and Stephanie and Pat. We have game night tonight. We're doing D&D &D starter kit. Uh, but then I've also been watching movies, and I watched uh, Cold War by Pavel Pavlo. Yeah, Pavel you said Nelson, that last week. How to say his name. Amazing movie. And then I watched, uh, after that, Roma by What's His Butt? Oh, yeah, that's that's a very Alfonso. hypnotic movie. It, yeah, and, um, and then I just watched, which I wasn't planning on watching. I was just going to stick to black and white movies for a while, but I just watched... Uh, the Obscure Object of Desire by Buñuel, Louis Buñuel. Do you guys know his stuff at all? No. The sort of surrealist Spanish filmmaker, but he makes movies in French. And uh, the, un the, what is it? The Unbearable Something of the Bourgeoisie is one of his movies. Um, and it was funny, you know, I the more and more movies I watch, the more and more amazed I am at how fleeting the language of culture is and how fast it changes you know say let's take a poem for example and maybe poems are inherently more timeless i don't know or maybe the language change is slower and maybe visual change is faster but you take something you create it and let's say uh to our conversation earlier about the word silly right let's say you use the word silly which originally meant what pious sacred. or sacred, sacred, and uh, and you wait two hundred years and now your word doesn't mean that anymore. And somebody reading the poem takes it at face value, and then your poem isn't constructed for the culture of which uh, it is a part at that point. In other words, it's a reflection of the culture that it came from, but that's about it. And so I guess with visual stuff. I'm just sort of realizing how fleeting that visual language is and how some of those cultural identifiers are. Perfect example would be uh, an American in Paris, which, um, you know, at the time, if you look at that movie, um, you know, Gene Kelly's character in that is harmless at the time the movie is made. And to our contemporary sensibilities, just seems like an icky stalker. But that never really gets addressed because that's not part of how the movie was made. You know, he's not stalkery in the movie for the 1950 sensibilities. So then, you know, it either wrecks the movie for us or, or it doesn't. But I was thinking about that as I was watching this obscure Object of Desire by Buñuel. And, and I couldn't wrap my head around, like, what I thought was shitty and what worked for me and what didn't work for me. The jury is out. I like the film, but jury is out. Huh. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that very same issue um, and watching, you know, as you exhaust Netflix, you start delving back into classics. And um, 
Well, there's two things that I'd say about that. One is that everything, even contemporary stuff, has changed with this coronavirus because you see all these people close together and you just sort of cringe, you know, when you see the crowd shots, you know, and people getting close to each other. And I'm like, oh, I don't cringe, I get wistful. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one thing. But then there's the other thing. Like I watched The Apartment with uh, Jack Lemmon. Yes. You ever see that movie? Oh my God! Long time ago. It's like unwatchable. It's so misogynistic. And that's Mickey Rooney as a as an Asian. Is that that one? No, no, no. It's uh, oh, I can't remember now who else is in it. But it's uh, the the premise is that Jack Lemmon has an apartment in New York City, and he's letting his bosses use it as a uh, hookup pad, um, oh, to try and get okay. ahead, and so guys you know the executives are bringing secretaries by to screw them and uh and it's supposed to be this sort of fun romp or whatever but it's it's so gross and so misogynistic (laughs) it's just and you know almost violent um thank god we've evolved past that point but it's just it's well i don't know that we I don't know that we have. I mean, wait another twenty years, and something that we think is innocent now is going to look super. Yeah, rapey. what is what is it going to be? Like maybe the hookup I mean, culture that we have going right now with our younger generation. No, I mean, I think we'll we'll look back at at uh, something and we'll just be horrified, or younger people will look back and be horrified because of racism, sexism, all that jazz. You know, that's a Billy Wilder film, uh, The Apartment. I just looked it up, and I recently watched Avante. Also with oh Jack my Lemon, god, yeah, I watched that too. That which is, is exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And He's Jack Lemonless because he she doesn't, you know, I don't know, it's all very funny. Rabel, would you just calm down and not Yeah, can we get a word in edgewise, Frames? <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. Who put a quarter in you? <laughs> well, you know, I, I just I'm just thinking about how the world is a different world to different people and how the consciousness leg is a kind of an echo and that i mean that's why the vanguard is so important because it's push the vanguard pushes thought pushes culture forward in a way that the vanguard um, explain that well that means out front and what you guys are talking about is a phenomenon that you know we're catching up to as a as a patriarchal culture we're catching up to this because of me too and time time time's up and um you know that horrible movie person weinstein all these things are becoming known but they were known before by the people who were experiencing the injustices just like right now we live in a such a you know, a horrible white supremacist structure of power. Well, in, you know, a lot of people who are on the back end of that system are highly sensitized to it already. And, and, and there's no silver lining to this COVID, obviously, but <clears throat> thinking in terms of kind of tragic optimism, <laughs> which I thought was such a good phrase. I can't remember whether it's it's Franz Fanon who said that, that that you look for meaning, not for happiness in life. 
and that as as we look forward, we don't want to whitewash the terrible injustices that or cultural cruelties that we have absorbed as normative. We want to understand them and look to the future for when they can be shifted. And this horrible upturning, upending, where people are suffering and lives are being lost, it is an opportunity to restructure and redesign some of our systems of power. And culture is going to reflect that. You know, culture is going to start making stories, already are. When I was out in LA in um, January, taking this fantastic, oh my God, the innocence I had then when we were all in a room hugging each other. <laughs> taking a fantastic, what, what did you it do a, out there? It was a workshop that was um, led by Joan Sheckle, who is a kind of film doula. She's a director. <laughs> doula. And, um, and her whole, I think I've spoken about her before, her whole premise is that this idea of a narrative that's built on conflict is over. She, I would say, is in the vanguard of changing, transforming what we think of as normative culture, narrative culture based on rising action. I love that. I love that thing yeah. of, of, so did you ever see that movie, Happy Go Lucky? No. Oh my God. Now that is one that has aged, I think, well. Um, look that up, Pablo. Uh, oh, Happy Go yeah, Lucky. Who's... I can't remember okay. that director, but um, cool. Are you are you finding that, Pops? I'm looking it up right now. Um, anyway, it's this movie um, about this uh, this woman who this delightful woman who it, the, the movie stars. She's riding her bike, and she's just so happy. The wind is in her hair, and she's saying hi to everybody, and she's kind of a goofball and just has this goofy grin on her face and she stops and she parks her bike outside a bakery or something and goes inside. She comes out and her bike has been stolen. And you think, Oh my God, this is where the con the conflict begins. You know, her yeah. searching for then uh, horrible things are going to happen in this one. And, and she, uh, she just goes, Oh, and she kind of mourns the loss of her bike for a second. Then she's like, Oh, well, and she kind of goes on her way and then she sort of dances around and then she winds up meeting this guy who doesn't treat her very well. And so she breaks up with him. She says, I'm, I'm sorry, this just isn't working out. And then it goes on from there. And it, it the, the whole movie goes without these things kind of come into her life and she just kind of shrugs them off. And goes about her way, and that's how the movie ends. It ne you never that. wind up in this in, in this place where it, it doesn't go through a dark spot. There's little yeah. dark it's clouds. A Mike, Mike Lee movie. Yes, Sally Hawkins. That makes sense. Oh my God, I love that. I love Mike Lee. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so interesting, Dave, because I do like I think uh, Afrofuturism and other genres that are, you know, science fiction, imagine possibilities forward. I guess you could speak more to that, Pops. Well, I, I, I don't mean to sound cynical, and I do tend to think in general things are getting better, but I think the temporality of um, any given culture is uh, fleeting. 
and uh, and there are no clean edges. So, um, you know, the vanguard, the mainstream, and the trailing edge are all uh, mutable. Oh, that's all transitional. Like a <laughs> the vanguard, the what did you say? I don't remember the, the mainstream. <laughs> the trailing I don't remember edge the, and, the, and the trailing, the trailing edge. edge. Okay, what kind of music would those be? <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, but I think that uh, so you know, for example, using the, an American in Paris. You know, my mom, she loved that movie. It meant a lot to her, and uh, she didn't come to hate that part of it until much later in her life, and. Actually, when I was growing up, uh, because of her instruction, when I watched it, I was aware of the issues that she had with it. Uh, but I was, uh, and so I was sort of on the lookout for that sort of thing. On the other hand, I watched Meatballs with that knowledge and was innocent of the terror that Bill Murray's character and others, uh, you know, practice in that movie. And it wasn't until now, looking back, that I sort of recognize that. So, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. Not only is the culture a moving target, but we individually are moving targets. Our evolution is sort of uh, moving and there's nothing to tell, you know, there's no directionality, just like uh, biological evolution. There's no directionality. We could go back. We could go back to, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we're in crisis as a, as a species on so many levels right now. I, 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 I'm, I don't believe in progress, you know, narratives. I, I used to want to, but you're right. We could, we could devolve, but I actually, you know, as someone who I love history and we have the written word and we have the ability more than ever to democratize information. So I'm very hopeful actually that we can, we can learn. Yeah, Young part of, people make me hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely me. I, I, I really bristle at the whole thing with it's millennials are ruining everything. You know, the, the people cutting down millennials for wanting everything and for wanting not a wanting to work and, and yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's pretty, a cheap sport. Yeah, yeah, because I, and I love <laughs> the millennials. I think that they their their idealism is is beautiful. But I've said that before. Um, but um, you know, to this, to sort of address what you're what you're saying, Frabes, I, I, my optimistic side feels like this is a reset, like this is a, a sort of a timeout for humans to take a step back and assess where we're at um, and maybe go forward with a little bit more intentionality. Um, it's certainly causing us to take a look at uh, the role of government in our lives um, and the importance of a um, coordinated uh, federal gov government. Um, Which we don't have right now. It's yeah, just yeah. Cool to the abdication from responsibility and having this country be run by pirate businessmen. Like, yeah. Casino it's, uh, owners. <laughs> casino democracy, right? Yeah. Well, and governor Newsom in California has pretty much seceded from the union 
symbolically in, or anyway, but even in his language, he said that he's, you know, California as a nation state. <laughs> I think I read that somewhere that he, his, his determination to protect the citizens of California and create their own stockpile. He's given up on the federal government. He's done negotiating and he's now going forward with policies that will serve his constituency. And I think that's really, uh, I wouldn't, I think that's a huge turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, to some degree, we've got the same thing going here in Minnesota with uh, Tim Walls. And uh, I mean, imagine through this whole crisis, if Minnesota acted as its own nation state, we've got 3M who makes all the N95 masks. We've got Medtronic who makes a lot of the ventilators. We've got the Mayo Clinic, uh, the all the hospitals here. We we would be a pretty good nation state to, to, to live but, in if we were not connected to the rest of the world. I mean, but the, the fact of the matter is though, even though 3M and Medtronic originate some of those things, the parts come from China. Yeah, that's true. You know, and also gun sales in Minnesota have gone up. I mean. Oh my God, that pisses me off. Well, haven't up. they gone up everywhere? Yeah, everywhere, but specifically the paper in uh, this morning, I mean, sales are through the roof. Yeah, shotguns. Everybody wants shotguns right now. Yeah, that's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, God. The other half. This is how the other half lives. Well, I don't know. You know, maybe it's not a bad idea to gun up. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, uh, are you able to bear arms or? Am I able to? <laughs> yeah, like, are you, are you trained? Do you have guns? I don't own any weapons uh, other than virtual. <laughs> of course. Strange. And, uh, if my track record with the virtual weapons is any indicator <laughs> of my real world performance, owning a gun would not be a good choice for me. <laughs> I actually do have guns here. Um, oh, do you? God bless you. <laughs> well, it's because I grew up in a hunting family and, uh, and, I I have always had a shotgun. I've had a shotgun since I was eight eight years old. Um, uh, hun you, hunting gun. Sir? What's that? Do you have a bunker? Should we head to your house? Well, <laughs> well, yeah. And then my dad um, had a bunch of guns, um, including the gun that he hunted with uh, through my whole life, and then some of his dad's and his grand grandpa's guns, and he. Uh, sort of distributed them to whoever wanted them. And so I, I took a couple of them. I, I got his gun that he hunt, hunted with and another one. Uh, that's a, that was a, tw so I got a, well, I've got a 20 gauge, a 16 gauge and a 12 gauge. Um, and they're all in my attic and I've got ammo for all three of them. And, uh, yeah, so I got guns, I got guns. That makes me feel safer. <laughs> I got one for each of us. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're hunting, they're pheasant hunting guns. I mean, the, the challenge is it, it, if society collapses to the point where I'm going to need a, a gun, 
I've got bigger problems than gun. You know what I mean? I've got bigger problems than defending my property with a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. If it gets to the point I've of got, blood in the where streets. Where am I going to, yeah. Where well, am I going to get water? Yeah. I that mean, makes me think of when I was, um, I, I took this great trip um, to the Faroe Islands in 1997, David Mann was supposed to go. He didn't feel like going. So he said, why don't you go, Frabe? So I applied. Where are the Faroe Islands? They're in the middle of the North Atlantic. They're an archipelago of... Oh, um, like by Ireland or something? Or No, they're between Iceland and Denmark. They're smack dab in the North Sea. Oh, okay. Very, uh, very unpopulated, yes? No, they they are sophisticated. They used to be a protectorate of of uh, Denmark. Some of the islands are very unpopulated and one in particular, Nolsoy, while I was there, they had just experienced a huge financial hit. And the people on Nolsoy, maybe 400 people, um, had had to just put the key in the mailbox and walk away. And it makes me think of this time, you know, where people's finances are being decimated, where they're... Oh, my God. Are people just going to have to walk away? It makes me think of the migrants and the immigrants, what it is to just say, I'm leaving, I'm done, I'm going someplace else, I'm... Well, and then and then being treated like shit. You know, imagine you're, uh, you're in Mexico, for example... And you're in a town that's been ravaged by who knows what, you know, and you maybe you own a hotel, who knows? And and all of a sudden you're like, shit, I got a jet because it's not it's not livable here anymore. And you go to the border and they treat you like shit and they put your kids in. Uh, in I mean, you know, it's just like, yeah. no, I know when I, so I, obscene. I used to go to this faux place on um, Nicollet, it was this tiny little hole in the wall. And the man and his family who owned it, the man was from Vietnam, and he was a principal, a high school principal, like a yeah. very well-respected person. And he was, you know, his whole life changed when he when he moved to America, and he no longer had any resources, standing, yeah. status. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a big a moment of reflection. Yeah. That's so to that end, I'm reading, I'm, I'm looking this up um, to see what the name of the book is that I'm reading. Uh, it's Nicholson Baker, um, who, uh, are you familiar with that guy? No, who's no. Uh, well, he's an author and he writes sort of, uh, <laughs> a lot of the books that he's, he writes are sort of like classy pornography. Um, <laughs> such a thing <laughs> uh the mezzanine was one that i read um and that was about a guy uh, a guy who could stop time and uh Ooh. he yeah and so he would stop time and then go around and um his fetish was that he would uh make women have orgasms uh by like putting vibrate like vibrators in their panties and then starting time again and yes, it's that uh, simple. Yeah. Cultural artifacts that maybe don't uh, have the same glosses when they were written. Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> not. But anyway, and another one is Vox, um, and that was that's kind of a phone sex 
novel. Um, but and you read the man, or no, no, the Fermata, the Fermata was the one about uh, about the orgasm thing. Um, Vox was about so anyway. But I'm reading right now a novel called. Oh, do, 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 do. oh, maybe it's mezzanine that I'm reading right now. Uh, anyway, it, it's a it's a novel about uh, uh, it's sort of little factoids and um, news clips from uh, like nineteen uh, when it would it be like nineteen twenty nine through nineteen thirty nine um, between mm-hmm. the wars, basically. Um, the lead up to World War II and the rise of Hitler and uh, a lot of little clips and quotes and stuff from uh, Churchill and the Roosevelt's Eleanor and uh, uh, um, FDR. Um, And basically what you realize uh, as you read through these little clips, it was just how anti-Semitic the whole world was. Not just the Germans, not just Hitler, not the Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt was a horrible anti, anti-Semite. And um, Churchill was horrible. He was, uh, and, and Churchill was, you know, he, a colonial, he was such a colonialist and just like they, they would use little villages in Africa to test their weapons and just wipe them out, you know, just to, just to test bombs and airplanes and things like that. Uh, uh, Guernica in Spain was one of those uh, instances where, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it was a horrible time. It, just a, it, yeah. Anyway, I'm only about halfway, and it was, I had to stop reading it because it was um, uh, it was too violent and too upsetting. I mean, don't you think that this is such a hinge moment in terms of seeing that our values that Western culture is built on in terms of profit and advantage and progress these i these concepts and ideas have to give way to care to building culture of care where vulnerable people are. I mean, honestly, my whole thing with the pornography and the industry of porn and the selling of salacious things doesn't have to do with moral morality or squeamishness about sexuality. It has to do with labor and how that whole industry is built on collateral damage, that it's an industry built on the backs of vulnerable people. And it's just a given that harm is going to come to people. And I, I, I feel like our world has to turn into a world where care is the value. Care well, of each other. can I take the, be a devil's advocate on that? I think that that, that there's a range in every industry, porn, not excluded from that statement i think that that the you know we we exploit labor in every industry that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying our industries have to change the norms of our industries have to change and we have to stop being um inured to the damage of these industries just because we can take advantage of them or somehow benefit from them and you know what i have to say and you guys know me well enough to just i don't know if i've ever said this before i'm sure i have but 
I really see the arc of human history as before birth control and after birth control because we live in a patriarchy where every fucking thing has been set up by men and now women are finally free to start to construct the world alongside men and it's being fought. I mean, abortion is illegal in Texas now. Northern Ireland, where they finally got abortion, they're not being able to deploy it. There's resistance. But that to me is the, honestly, it's the key to everything, to get women in power. Yeah, I don't and disagree that's with the that. Only way. Yeah, I don't know. That's just how. Oh, by the way, the name of that uh, book is Human Smoke. And the subtitle of it is The Beginnings of World War II, The End of Civilization. Soylent Green is people. Yeah. Oh, but, and the reason I brought that up was because um, the Jews that wanted to leave Europe were not welcomed anywhere, uh, similar to what's happening with the Mexican, you know, uh, Mexican yeah. hotel owner. Um, they couldn't just come to the United States. The United States didn't want them. Um, and neither did the rest of Europe. Um, yeah, so. Happy Passover, by the way. Thank you. Happy Pesach to you as well. Mm. Pesach. Cool. Yeah. Is that today? Yeah, or? it was started yesterday, I think. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not observing, although I may try to make popovers. I have to call my Aunt Louise and have her talk me through it. Stephanie tried making popovers, and, and they... Uh, they didn't turn out like she wanted. She was very disappointed. I thought they were good. They didn't pop, but they tasted good. They're so nummy. I'm going to try and make matzo this weekend. Popovers. Oh. That is a Passover food? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's eggs and milk and matzo meal. Huh. Unleavened bread for the journey yeah. because of expulsion, right? Expulsion yeah. from Egypt. And I mean, then isn't there salt and vinegar and some other thing? There's... Yeah, well, there's there's a bunch of symbolic elements to the meal. There's also the um, observance, not the celebration, which uh, it's important that seems to be stressed um, in all of the Haggadahs, but uh, that um, we are not celebrating the uh, death of the firstborn of the Egyptians. We're not celebrating the pestilence and all that other kind of stuff. Just observing it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of symbolism, a lot of terror, a lot of horror with Passover. There's you know, also something you guys weren't subject to because you're not Jewish, but um, so the Haggadah is this the book that goes along with the um, Passover uh, observance and you read from the book and it's got a bunch of prayers and songs and so on and so forth. That also has a bunch of questions um, that the children always read and, and they sort of profile the different types of kids. There's the, I don't know, the lazy kid, the terrible kid, the smart kid and the good kid. You know? And then they always dump the youngest one with the, you know, the kid who doesn't care or whatever. I, I don't remember what they are exactly, but it was, it's funny. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, Jews, have you seen Unorthodox yes. on Netflix? No. Oh, my God. So good. 
Pablo, you got to see that. It's about Hasidic, about a woman um, escaping a Hasidic uh, community like, in Williamsburg. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was talking it's to fascinating. Lori it's crazy. About um, Judaism, because ever since I read Sidney Taylor's um, All of a Kind Family as a child, I've been, you know, and, and for other reasons, um, you know, interested in Judaism and, and it's Easter on Sunday and I'm not going to go because I don't go to church anymore and I don't believe in God. And Lori said, well, you know, the great thing about being Jewish is, you know, you don't have to believe in God. <laughs> yeah, you just have to do what he says. Uh, no, she said, you know, I'm just culturally <laughs> Jewish. And so they did a Seder and they, you know, observe the holidays, but uh, uh, there's no um, exclusion from the observance just because you don't um, believe in God. And actually, <laughs> I love that. I, I know. And after going for 20 well, I think it's. I just, uh, I left because I didn't feel like there was that room for questioning intellectual life without a deity. I think the other thing to note is, um, you know, when uh, Jews say they don't believe in God, especially older uh, Jewish folk that I know, um, I'm thinking of my family members, I think what they meant was they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in the, in a Christian sort of conception of, of God. Yeah. Um, and that uh, because of the dominant culture, if you're asking if they believe in God, the dominant culture's definition is Jesus and the Virgin Mary and so on and so forth and all that. And, that, and they didn't subscribe to that. I don't know that they would have, um, you know, I don't, I mean, different flavors of, yeah. of uh, belief, right? But I don't. Hmm. Huh. I don't know anything about anything. Me neither. Did you celebrate the the full moon? Oh, the pink moon. You took a beautiful picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish I had, I have a, a 200 millimeter lens. Um, nice. That uh, is not quite long enough to shoot the moon, but um, if I crop it and play with the image, I can get good images of the moon. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, Dave, has your day taken any different shape? I know you went on a big spring cleaning binge, and yeah, yeah, and that. So that was what. So for two days, I went around this house, and I, I did, you know, like I was doing deep moving furniture and getting dust bunnies and spider webs, and um, I went into. I've got the sunroom in the back. Have you ever seen? Have you guys? Yeah, you've been right. in my house. Yeah, did I show you my sunroom? Tour. Yeah. Is yeah. that where the, um, that's past the uh, sauna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And S&M room, right? <laughs> yep. Um, what was the one where you had the chains and the rack? Was that the, was that the sauna That's the room? S&M room, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the sauna room. That's the sauna room, yeah. I th- yeah. You can relax in the sauna before you go into the chains. Um, no, yeah, so the sunroom, it, w- <laughs> We kept the, the, when Kathy was coming over here, she would bring her dog and we when if we wanted to go on a walk or something or go out by ourselves, we'd leave the dog in the sunroom and it just 
you know, laid around on the cushions and got its dirty paws on everything. So everything was filthy back there. And, um, I, uh, washed everything. I, I took every, all the covers off the cushions and washed them and put them back and, and clean. I got on my hands and knees and scrubbed the floor and, Got all the cobwebs and all the, yeah. And uh, so I spent a good half a day just on that room. Um, and then I So why'd you my, get depressed? Well, because it was like I was on crack this whole time that I was doing this. Like um, a manic episode? Yeah, I was in a manic, I had a manic episode of cleaning. And once I came off of it, I crashed. I had that, that sort of post- yeah, I had a I I came down and came down kind of hard last night. Um but I'm okay now. Good night's sleep. Good. Yeah. Good I find um, myself uh practicing Amazon in a way that's not always healthy. Like <laughs> practicing Amazon like paper clips and oh, oh, I see. Gotcha. You know, and then like researching I don't know, rubber gloves or, you know, I, I just, um, like I can't do anything, but I can still order stuff on Amazon. So I guess I'm alive. Uh, I thought you God were God bless capitalism. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that too. I scroll and roll through Amazon and, and go down rabbit holes and wind up ordering something weird. Like I, I ordered, uh, uh, those little uh, hand clamps, you know, for uh, for clamping. Uh, uh, well, uh, so I want to make a, a portrait setup, um, and I I bought a, a little fold up backdrop um, and some uh, light stands and a cross uh, cross members that you can hold hang things off of. And I needed to get uh, some clamps to clamp the backdrop to the pole. And yeah. uh, but you know the. I'm sure that I spent six hours scrolling through <laughs> reviews and reading thing and, and looking at YouTube videos on how to set up backdrops. And I went down a whole chroma key rabbit hole yesterday, um, you know, green screen backgrounds and how do you do that? You know, and, and what software and to, you know, I've got, so do you want to do that for portraits or for video? I don't know. I, t I just went down a rabbit hole. I don't really even want to do any chroma key stuff. <laughs> but I was kind of interested in how it was done. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was sort of envisioning myself doing portraits maybe with weird backgrounds on them. And I don't even know who – I can't even shoot a portrait. I the yeah, only person I, I can shoot a portrait of is I Kathy or yeah. Eli. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I guess I'm well, uh, I'm sort of uh, picturing myself in this post-apocalyptic world where I haven't got a job, but I have got a portrait set, and I can shoot beautiful portraits of people. But your job is safe, isn't it? I mean, I just ordered a magnetic poetry set. Oh, you Everybody did. Oh, oh, you. Well, thank you. I thank I you. I am. I am supportive. I'm yeah. My, my nieces in in uh, Oakland. The big kids one for their fridge. Oh, good, good. That's a good one. Yeah, first words. Yep, first words. Yeah, that's a that's a really good kid. Um, Dave, how, 
how well do you know your product lines? Like if we were to do a quiz, a magnetic poetry quiz, oh. and we were to like, how, how on top of it would you be? Well, we've got 150 different SKUs, you know, so I, I mean, I know it pretty well. I've, do you have your Corona set out yet? No, I do. we're not going to, we would never sell. The, the things that sell are the kind of funny, cheeky things. Um, and anytime we go negative, um, it doesn't sell. That's oh, that's interesting. Nobody would want to give somebody, it, nobody wants to remember this. Nobody's going to, you know, when this whole thing's over with, it's going to be an unsavory thought. We're going to think, oh, um, do you, you know. do you, do you have one for the revolution? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we have several. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to forget this, actually. I think No, we is- won't forget it, but nobody's going to want to give a gift like, oh, here, you know, she would really love to have a corona kit, virus <laughs> yeah. kit. You know. Yeah, it's like my grandma who lost two brothers to the Spanish flu. It's like, what should we get her? Well, let's get her some Spanish flu stationery. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right. Well, what are you doing to amuse yourselves, you guys, to keep your positivity, to keep your keeping your good looks? I can vouch that. Uh, Back at you, yeah, pretty lady. Ah, the pale, the paleness of my indoor ah, self. This is. Ali and I, did I tell you guys, I can't remember, Ali and I were hanging out and normally we'll go for like a really long walk. Stop me if I told you this. And, um, but he wanted to, we walked to Mama's. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the long, the so trek. Good. Yeah. And then uh, we've just been taking long, long walks. Yesterday we actually did a donut run. And then, because uh, Stephanie was having a hard day and I, I felt like a donut would do her some good um, while Aww. she was tethered to the computer in meetings and then uh, i forced him to read watership down i read the first chapter of watership down to him and then i forced him to read it back to me and then the saddest 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 book ever i know (laughs) (laughs) i mean talk about he rented the movie he thought it was a kid's book and i was like no there's a lot of death and murder in here you're gonna love it oh yeah yeah that's one of the saddest books I've ever read. If I want to weep, I will reread that book. Yeah, it's sad. I can't remember anything about that. I, we read it in sixth grade in my English class. and uh, Yeah, I, my dad read it to us when we were like nine or, or ten, which is why I thought it would be suitable. And he, um, you're, you know. you're an outlier, my friend. Yeah, Stephanie said that she read it in college. You know what? It, but that's literacy for you because the stuff we read as fifth graders are now... 10th grade books. I am now yeah. reading uh, where the uh, where the crawdads sing. Have you oh. heard about that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't what read is it. it. How is it? Uh, you know, about a third of the way through it. Um, and it's sad. It's quiet. Yeah. It's sad. But but it's basically a, a, about a little girl whose whole family abandons her one by one her mother leaves her drunk dad and then her brothers leave they're because of the drunk dad and then the drunk dad leaves and dies somewhere so she's left all alone in the bayous of uh or not the bayous um the swamps basically of uh 
uh, I think it's North Carolina or uh, I don't know where, where she is, wow. Florida or something in the Everglades. And, uh, um, and she's all alone from age eight on. Um, wow. And so she, and she kind of dodges the truant officers who want her to go to school and, uh, and just raises herself. Um, so that's where I am in the book right now. That sounds amazing. Sounds terrible. <laughs> what do you read, Bob's? I'm still, uh, I mean, I'm, I usually do two books at a time. One nonfiction that I read on my Kindle, which is, I'm still on uh, Pauline Kael's collected reviews movie reviews and then i listen to an audiobook and i'm listening to iq 84 oh yeah um which uh, i haven't had a chance to listen to lately it's pretty good you know it's enough to engage me i wouldn't say it's great but it's enough to engage me and then i'm uh, reading watership down again apparently hey i was yeah. thinking about you pop so have you seen the loop i think that's on uh, oh it's on amazon episode. prime yeah well, it's yeah, a down it's a episode. downer man yeah, I did not watch the second episode. I, I don't like, that's sort of like... It's got robots. Uh, yeah, it does have robots and, and all the stuff I like, but it's it's a little dystopian and it's a little like um, spooky Twilight Zone, you know, but not the episodes that are fun, the ones that are like a downer. So I, I don't know. I watched the first episode and I was kind of like... Yeah, I watched three episodes and and I kind of abandoned it. It was just not. But I, I loved Roma. I watched Roma. I loved that. That yeah, it's so gentle and quiet. That movie. I I love that movie. And yeah, yeah, it's it's very sad, but it's but it's very gentle. Yeah. I hated that movie. Really? Yeah, right, right. I, I I vaguely recall you saying that. So tell me why. Let's let's hear why. Well, it's been a while and God knows my memory is the worst, but I believe that I as I remember it, the visuals, the stunning, amazing photography, everything about it, the pacing, I loved all of it, but the story mm -hmm. of you know, kind of the uh, so housekeeper. Let's, let's recap. Yeah, it's a story yeah, the, of, a, the class, of a housekeeper. The class element yeah. of um, kind of this tinge of romanticism of a virtuous domestic worker. I don't know. There were some tropes in there that just drove me batshit. I can't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't well get that. I, I expunged it from my memory. I, yeah, I didn't get that from it. Just to just to recap, it's a I guess a semi autobiographical or based on the director's um, experience growing up in 1970 in Mexico. Uh, it it's Alfonso Cura. I don't know how to say yeah, his name. He's amazing. He's an amazing film director. But it's kind of like if you like The Help, you'll love Roma. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see The Help, but um, but it follows uh, a young. A housekeeper over the course of a year and then we also as we're finding out about her life we find out about the life of the the people that live in the house that she cares for and then there's also some a backdrop of sort of a political landscape 
or whatnot. So you you felt like it was kind of uh, unconscious, a noble. It was kind of unconscious about the kinds of class tropes it was perpetrating. So yeah, oh, I loved the story. I loved the characters. I loved the actors because, in a way, since we're talking about cultural lag and mm-hmm. consciousness lag, it was a product of a kind of fifties, sixties mentality without the insight of the 70s 80s 90s and aughts but i thought it was commenting on that whole uh uh, um what i'm looking no on the on the dynamic between the the class dynamic i thought it was sort of reflecting on the unfairness of it i don't i think i don't think it what took it far enough to be a progressive conversation about that and to frable's point and and correct me if i'm wrong but i'm guessing what you're saying is that the maid didn't really have a a distinct identity other than those sort of class markers right i don't remember honestly i really have kind of i i have and did you did you um you know uh did you respond well to the scene with the like all of the the tuba fight when there was a fight with the two tubas don't even remember it you don't remember tubas the tuba fight? i don't remember tubas I literally i i i i i don't remember it all i remember is that i hated it do you remember the scene with the dog and the airplane you know the thing that does weirdly stick to me is when the alien landed in the dumbwaiter <laughs> and she lifted up the door and was so surprised. Now we're talking about the same movie. From, yeah. It was a message from a robot from the future saying, "Don't fall for this. This is a tired old narrative." Oh, that's Grab right. It was the robots and the tubas. Okay, now I remember. <laughs> Um, no, well, I thought, it, I, I guess it's been a while since I've seen it too, but I thought it was a, a good part of the movie was sort of a commentary about inequality. Well, yeah, unfairness. but it was kind of like the green book of that conversation. Yeah. B- yeah. Because you thought it was um, romanticizing her or you thought it was from the perspective of uh, a you know, someone from a different class or whatever. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. I, I don't know what trip you're triggering. You don't remember, obviously, um, specifically. Uh, I think for me, what what resonated to me about it was just the visuals and the pace. I really liked the pace. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, gorgeous. And yeah, and I... Uh, yeah, I it, liked... was, it was hypnotic. It was very hypnotic. Yeah. All right. Well, I know there there are movies that that do that that I, I have sort of the same reaction as you, Frable. I, I tend to not even watch those movies because I see a still or I look at the trailer and I am so disinterested. The reason that this fell under my wheelhouse is one, it's in black and white, and I love those kind of movies. Yeah. Um, I love any sort of uh, you know, sort of uh, lush, beautiful movie. I like yeah. I like watching. So Frable, because I'm simple that way. One other thing, and then the director did direct Children of Men, which is a great sci-fi. Yes, it is a great, and that's an interesting conversation about scarcity and reproductive rights and power. I love that movie. Children of Men. Okay, I got to watch this. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that's a great. It's a great movie. Yeah, amazing. 
timely because it's about those things that we're still trying to figure out. So, Fred, let me ask you this, and Dave, sorry for interrupting. Let me ask you this. So you sort of cite um, birth control as being uh, a sort of watershed moment in our cultural or societal evolution, right? Species. It, species uh, evolution. And uh, what it, the thing that's interesting about that is it's literally a, like a pill that you can take. Or um, something else. Or something else. And, and what would be, can you sort of fantasize and identify, like if you could invent uh, two or three other things, or even just one other thing that you think would um, radicalize our uh, species um, along those lines, what, what might those be for you? All I need is that. All I need is for the equality of the sexes to on-road more women into power. Right, but and, and the pill is maybe a, a mechanism for that, but as you can see, it's easily thwarted, right? Like there's a lot of ways to keep people out of the system. The pill is maybe a step in the right direction, but now that we have that, if you could have another invention that would facilitate you know, that, what might that be for you? How, well, let me ask you this. Shared, it would be shared um, reproductive responsibility. So it would be some way to have men alter their physiology or somehow take the burden of reproductive responsibility into their bodies. Yeah. Um, what do you, Hey, Fraves, what do you think about title nine? Do you think that that was a, a revolutionary uh, uh, thing in that our, our society? The, it's one of the steps in the right direction. Of course, it's really problematic because we can make all the rules in the world, but as long as those power structures remain in place, how those rules are administered and deployed and and how they're undermined is very serious. Well, I think it was a huge revolution. I mean, I, I just see it in my life, um, in my hockey life. Um, all these women who came up playing girls hockey um, yeah. and who are I mean, now as good or better than a lot, of, a lot of the men that I play with and who are yeah. badass, um, yeah. who would have had no place to put that badassery um, if not for Title IX. Um, sure. And just to see the girl, you know, like to go uh, to the high school that's down the street and see the girls out there playing lacrosse and soccer and things like that and just being badasses. Yeah. I mean, I but think you know that's what? a whole, that's a paradigm shift from when I was a kid. It's fantastic, but Title IX did not protect generations of girls from Larry Nasser. Or from That's the, the gymnastics coach. Yeah. yeah. Or from those or from those organizations that um, considered those young girls collateral damage for their business model um, sports empires. I mean, I I, I just really you know, it might be sim a simplification, but I I think it's no, it's not. It's not a simplification. It's a very complicated situation. But I think that that's a different situation. That that's a that you know that's a predator a predatory situation. It, it, just like the Catholic Church with the the priests yeah, and but, pedophiles but the, and yeah, and, but the structures of power that promote and protect those. Um, predatory situations, those structures, the way we do business, the profit motive, all the things that we think of as just the way things are, 
they're not just the way things are. They're a design. They're a, even the metaphors we use, all the things, the ways we're talking about fighting the pandemic with militarized language. These are concepts that instruct our behavior, but they're not, um, they're not like gravity. They're designed and they're deployed, these concepts and these metaphors, and we need to change change. And I, I think of it as a very, it's not going to happen in my lifetime or McKenna's lifetime. I think it's a very long project that starts with control over reproduction. And that's why it's being fought so hard. Hmm. And it's in such a nascent form. I mean, we're still cheering when women get driving rights in Saudi Arabia. Well, I'm with you, Frable. And I, I think that, uh, um, although a, a small, a small few benefit, I, I'm with you. Get rid of the whole thing and put something better. Yeah. In its in its place. Amen. Amen. Yeah. A woman. A people. <laughs> A people. A aliens. Ah, <laughs> aliens. I know. Aliens walk among us. God, I hope so. All right. Well, maybe that's a good place to. Uh... Leave it. Ah, women and ah, people. Oh, people. Yeah, can, but can we end the broadcast but keep chatting for a sec? <laughs> you know how we do? I miss that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then we can talk about all our private important things. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I just want to say for the record, I love you guys. I've oh. been looking forward to this. It's been really helpful and lovely to me personally just to get to connect with you guys every friday i miss our breakfast i miss seeing your beautiful faces in person but soon this we'll do it really... we'll do it outside and yeah. then we can be face to face six feet yeah, apart but this has been a really nice really nice mix yeah i totally agree pops i love you guys so much all right i love you guys too see ya bye